Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NBA center Ryan Hollins. Six rebounds and eight assists. Collins climbs the stairs. Down the floor. He is the high jumper. That's what I want to see. Give me some gunpowder and throw the hammer down. And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another episode of Buker and Holland, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. You can hear me on Radio.com and Intercom Terrestrial Stations. And you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buker and on Instagram at Rick underscore Buker. He is NBA vet Ryan Hollins. You can hear and see him on various ESPN platforms. You can follow him on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins and on Instagram at simply Ryan Hollins. And you can see him on occasion in the big three these days. The balling days are not over for Mr. Hollins. All right. The balling days are over for David Fisdale with the New York Knicks. And uh, I, I can shed a little bit of light. I'll tell what I know when it comes to that situation. But what I'm really curious from your standpoint, more than anything, is what is it? What is it like to have a coaching change in the as Ryan Hollins constructs his studio before our very eyes? <laughs> Are you hearing? You hear everything, uh, we, man, dude. I hear everything. Our listeners hear everything. Uh, so. Uh, he's taking his hard hat off now. He's good. The work gloves are off. He's ready to go. Uh, what have you been ever experienced where you had a coach let go midseason, early, at any point? And what what's if so, what's the impact? Well, when I was with the Kings, that's when it when it happened. But well, you know, it's funny. I would even say this. 
you know, every there are so many questions about, oh, Ryan, why is he so inconsistent? Why is he so this? Why is he so that? Like, I didn't have a year <laughs> where I came back with a coach. I'm trying to think my first time. Hmm. Byron Scott might have been the first coach that, like, I had a year with and then came back to. And it was just an ugly sit- situation in Cleveland. Like, you know, it's funny, just on a side note, as a player. Yeah. So every single year I had a new coach. Charlotte, first first three years, different coach. Get traded to Dallas, new coach halfway through the season. So as a player, it's funny, like for a young guy that was dependent on a coach and developing yeah. and what, what system, I had a new coach every year. Byron Scott was the first coach that I didn't have again. Now, to answer your question, as I kind of – veered off yeah no 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 you sound pretty intrigued with that because there's something there in in with sacramento we had three coaches in a year if you remember that we had mike malone yeah um who's pretty darn good which we fired because he wasn't playing fast enough uh then we wasn't he wasn't answering the texts from the owner either right right (laughs) right after the game right right at halftime right yep (laughs) we had we had tyrone corbin uh and then Ty gets fired and like George Carl had been working an angle and George was doing some ESPN I believe at the time and stuff like that and then George just slides on in in the season and it was survival of the fittest it was this guy used to be in coaches graces now he's not playing anymore like it was tough you go into survival mode when your coach is fired mid-city because you're nervous. You don't know what to expect. Hmm. And as much as you want to put things together, it's impossible to compete. How different were the sets that you ran between the three coaches? Well, like by that time, I was accustomed to just, hey, just new coach, new playbook, just figure it out. Right. But we ran a lot of post-up stuff to, for DeMarcus or to Mike Malone. Ty Corbin, we ran similar stuff, but he tried to speed it up in more of a secondary. Mm-hmm. Uh, more of a secondary break break means you're not going to be as structured. It's more like one or two screens and then go score the ball. Yep. And George Carl was complete spacing. And he took you know Jason Thompson off the floor, who was our starting power forward, and Rudy Gay and uh, D. Will, Darren Williams, played the four and Omri Caspi at that time. And we spread the court. So it was three completely different systems. Hmm. It, it always amazes me, in, in part, that people don't realize when they want a coach fired, that you're talking about, you're basically, in, in, in most cases, you're forfeiting whatever thoughts you had about where that season is going to go. Yep. Because you have to... You have to implement a new system on the fly. You have to get everybody comfortable on the fly. And I'm, you know, generally you'll get like a little bump. And I, w- I wonder, like, that first game when you have a new coach, what's, we, we see it all the time. Teams suddenly play, like, you, I, you rarely get a bad game. They, you may not win, but the team always seems to overachieve whatever it was doing previously. Is that just because everybody's on, like trying to prove their worth to the new guy? What What is the element among the players that causes that to happen? You are trying to prove your worth. And if you hadn't had a starting spot, 
you know, you're 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 trying to save your spot or you're trying to get in the mix, it's almost it's like a clean slate because you know, when your coach is guy, you're mm-hmm. good. You don't know if your coach is guy or you're not or what what vision he saw cuz the one thing about a new coach, he always wants to put his imprint on the game. There's a game behind the game. Why does he want to do that? Because he can't win the way that the other coach win. One, because everybody's going to say, well, you just, why do we get rid of the other coach? Right. You're doing what he did. So, in a sense, that's the reasoning why a guy gets kicked out the lineup. You know, the plays change. You know, it's not always for the better. And it it should necessarily be for the better, but it is it it isn't always right. It, has there uh, how far in advance could you predict this guy ain't gonna make it? This coach is gone. Where, and and where what are the signals that tell you, oh, this guy's on thin ice, or it's just any day now? Coaches are normally cool, calm, and collected, and you start seeing things get out of character. You start seeing coaches kind of barter with uh, players or kind of, you know, they're losing control. Or you see that certain players will see that the coach is on the fringe. Right. Like, I ain't listening to him no more. And that's where things going, going go bad. I think even like with Randy Whitman, um, when I was in Washington, I, I felt like, you know, Randy catered to John a little too much. Mm-hmm. And John is a good guy. Mm-hmm. But I felt like he knew that John held a higher place in the organization than he did. Right. And I felt like that hindered us that year. Uh, and, and I would say it's tough because you're trying to get on the same page and even, you know, Ty Corbin had his issues with it. I mean, I'm not going to say what player, but I think some, some of the guys made it kind of tough on him. Um, and I thought he was pretty transparent and straight up with us, uh, with the things we did. But, you can tell a coach on a fringe and then you have like a, you know, you can feel a bad loss. Like, oh, you lost to a bad team or there's a game with some type of Im- implications. Yeah. You know, I even think of, you know, not the same thing, but similar, similar concept. Uh, what's going on over in Dallas? You know, you don't fire Jason Garrett. Like if you had a chance to make the playoffs, don't fire J- as much as you want to complain, whatever. Maybe right. you still have, don't fire right. Jason Garrett. Right. right. Well, and, that, yeah. In terms of Fisdale, right, bro? Like, if what do you expect? I understand it, Dolan. Maybe there's stuff we didn't see, but like, I gotta know where this urgency is. Now, sometimes in the NBA, I will say this, Rick, and I want to know your feelings. It's almost like I got the first bid at a coach that you can lock up because there are good coaches out there. Mm-hmm. You can be the first to jump in, and I think that was Vivek's mindset that. He wanted George Carl. Mm-hmm. Things got too stale with Malone or too ugly. And George Carl was just kind of, you know, he was having this bidding war behind the scenes. Right. You know, but it tore us up. Those are things that you don't see because they always know. You don't fire the guy without knowing that there's another guy that sure. you want. Sure. Okay. Sure. Like, like explain to me why my guy was fired in, in Sacramento after the year that he had. Um, what, what's my guy? I don't know how I'm, I'm forgetting my favorite guy's name, man. Dave Yeager? Yes, Yeager's my guy. Yeager did a heck of a job. Yeah. He did yeah. a better job. Hey, Lionel Hollins, Lionel Hollins won 50-plus games and went to the playoffs 
in Memphis and got fired. Oh, Kevin McHale with the Rockets. They yeah. made it to the conference finals. Yeah. Got fired. Yeah. Mark Jackson. Let me keep, you know what I'm saying? So it's like they know another guy like, oh, he can do the job. And it's like, oh, you're on. Yeah. I mean, like it goes back to the Mike Malone thing. It's a, so a, a lot of it is, first of all, if you have a new GM, he generally, he wants his guy. He and And it's as much guys wanting to protect each other. Like I want a guy who's in my corner. I want a guy that I can trust. I want a guy that's not trying to go behind my back and mm-hmm. get my job or, you know, get the, the personnel control. And it just, it's, it's a, you know, it still remains very much a, a, a network, if not an old boys network when it comes to that. And then the other part is, is that you have owners that are, more involved than ever before and so they want a guy who is at least going to look you know in the case of Mike Malone and I don't think he's like the only coach like they they want to have input I, I guarantee you Joe Lacob with the Warriors like if Bob Myers and Steve Kerr didn't know how to politically make mm, Joe Lacob feel deep. like he, they're listening to him that they're taking his input they're taking his son's input like there's a way to do it and be politically correct where, Should you have to though? Uh, if you want to keep the job, <laughs> I mean, look, Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson did a great job. He was not. He did not play the political game. And as let me a result, let me ask this. Let me ask this. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know if you're sourced or not, or this is just your opinion. Yeah. When it comes to the New York Knicks, does Dolan know who he wants? As of right now, does he have a like a like I fire fizz because I know what I want. Is this more about who he wants next or just he and Fizz didn't see eye to eye? Because this, from a basketball stance, from a player standpoint, I wouldn't say that I necessarily understand it. Yeah. But you know more behind the scenes. What you what you got, Rick? I, I believe they already have an idea of where they want to go next. But I believe that the driving force in making the decision now was that they were they were getting embarrassed and they were getting embarrassed at home. Like the first press conference, they were playing well on the road, but they were getting beaten, and they were getting beaten by teams that they should not have been, you know, crushed by, at home. And so Dolan was being—he was getting embarrassed in his building, and the firing came after two thirty-plus point losses. It was—it was like, I can't take this. I—I I, I, like. I'm I I need to do something. I need to, and I'm and I'm putting myself in in Dolan's shoes. So, but I also believe. Look honestly, I feel as if that was not the right job for David Fisdale, for as new of a coach as he is. I mean, think about his prior experience. He was an assistant coach in Miami, ton of structure there, and it's with LeBron James. It's with Dwayne Wade. Like, there's some built-in things when it comes to coaching that you don't have to deal with when you have the structure of the Miami Heat and you have superstars like that leading your team. There's just certain things that you have to coach talent, but coaching talent, you know, superstars is a little bit different, and it's a little bit different when you have a Pat Riley behind you. Right? That's true. It's it's different. That's because I'm I'm because I know. Ain't nobody bigger than Pat. Right, right. And so <laughs> if if 
if Pat is in your corner, like, if you do what Pat wants you to do, you're good. You're good. And it means you're good and everybody else is good with you. Now, so Fizz goes from there. Then he goes to Memphis. Well, Memphis was an established setup too. You got you got Zach, you got Mark Gasol, you got Mike Connolly. Like there wasn't a whole lot that he had to figure out there. It was an already established system. Now you take that same guy and you take him to New York and maybe you were taking him thinking you were going to get those superstars in KD or Kyrie or like that was the model that Fizz was going to be inheriting this season. But instead, you had the expect ra- expectations raised just a little bit. And you had a a roster that, first of all, you know, everybody's killing them with the roster. I think the roster's better than their record. I don't think there's I don't think it's the worst roster by no, any stretch in the league. Um they're not they're not playing it, it, up to to what they what they could be, but it takes wanna... it takes some nuance to be able to like utilize those different pieces. You got to be able to kind of see see okay. matchups and exploit them. I want to ask you something too. You just you just brought up a really good point. New York takes a big swing and a miss in free agency. Yes, and prior to you know Fizz getting the New York job, he had this image. Mm-hmm. Like he got fired and it was wrong in Memphis. You know, Memphis. Yeah. He's the players' coach. He's yeah. the guy. Like I'll play for Fizz. Fizz is that dude. Do you feel like free? He was brought in, in a sense, to be able to recruit. That he had a image of he's our guy. We can relate to him. And when those guys they swung and missed and missed in free agency. Yep. It's kind of like maybe you're not as much as the players' coach as we we thought. Yeah, I, look, I I think he was still a players' coach because I think the players do like him. But that's almost the reverse. It's almost the reverse in that with the players they had, you almost needed someone who is less of a players' coach and was more structured, because some of the problems that I see them having, like Julius Randle, Julius Randle, you're not a closer. We're not handing you the ball in the last two minutes and you go win the game for us. We're not stru- we're not structured that way and you're not that kind of player. And you needed somebody, and yet that's what I saw Randall do multiple times. You needed a coach who was not going to allow that to happen and do it without you know, pissing, pissing Randall off. Or, it, or risking that but knowing that you were doing the right thing for the team and that you'd still have the rest of the team. He wasn't doing that. Um, now, it's also it was difficulties coming out of the gate. They didn't have, you know, Alfred Payton was hurt. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. was hurt. Like, they didn't have anybody who was a point guard for a good stretch of eight, nine games that nobody was paying attention to. That's tough. And that, like, when you have all those bigs that need to be organized, <laughs> yes. like, what what do you, that's a tough, and now you put that on R.J. Barrett? Like, that's a tough spot to be. And I don't think people took that into account. Here's the thing with New York is like everybody's two, two things. One, it bothers me that everybody's killing them because you can kill them, but you should be killing the Atlanta Hawks and you should be killing the New Orleans Pelicans. 
because mm, why is that? Because at the beginning of the year, if you ask people who's got the best who's got the best roster, I heard people talking about the Atlanta Hawks roster, all that young talent. I heard people talking about the New Orleans Pelicans and all that young talent. People were kind of running down the New York Knicks as not having that much talent, right? Fair. Yeah, I re- I really like the Hawks roster. I, I'm one of the guys that's very high on them. Okay, so look at their record. But they got one more win than the New York Knicks. Is anybody mm. is anybody questioning that team? Is are there no? The answer is no. No, no, no one's killing right, no. them the way they're killing the Knicks. And again, I'm I'm not a what aboutism or yeah, but I, I I don't like that. I just feel as if the opportunity to to punk the Knicks, nobody had at first opportunity. People are just going to drag them as hard as they can. I'll tell you, I feel like the Pelicans are a disappointment. When I look at their roster and I look at some of the losses they've had, I question, like, what's what's going on there? They should be better than they are. And because I, I, you know, I don't. Well, okay, how about this? Yeah, Drew Holiday can rise to the occasion, but the the questions with Drew is that he's not gonna fire like go rally the troops. Like he'll he'll give you an all star performance against whoever he's playing against, but he's not the guy. He he's not trying to be the guy that rallies the troops. No, I get that. Look, I'm not saying they're. Uh, first of all, I like their draft class. I liked it above and beyond Zion. I thought uh, Alexander Walker was a nice pickup. Saw him playing summer league. I thought this guy can give you minutes. Jackson Hayes, I like. You got Derek mm-hmm. Favors. You got Lonzo Ball. You got Josh Hart. You got Brandon Ingram. I mean, you have some depth on that roster. I don't see winning though. I'm gonna be honest. I don't see winning. You see better than six and eighteen, dude. I, I mean, I look, also, look at what I, Char- you know, look, I, at, look at Charlotte. I'm gonna throw the. You're gonna tell me Charlotte's but, got a better I'll, I'll better say roster. In terms of the Pelicans, and I'd have to go look at this. They're disgusting defensively, from yes, what I've seen. Are. Yes, they and are. And that is a big thing. That's not Alvin's deal. But they don't have a star in my mind that just goes and gets wins. And I wouldn't be surprised, Rick, and don't quote me on this, if their strength of schedule is pretty darn high right now. Because I've seen Lakers, Clippers, Utah, like they're Houston. They've had – I wouldn't be surprised if they're top five, top ten in strength of schedule right now. And that means a lot. Think about last year. Utah struggled mightily. And then they finally got going later on because that, I mean, they were just scheduled brutal to start, man. All well and good. You're not but buying you, it. No. Look, the Orlando Magic are 11 and 12. Who's their guy who goes and gets you wins? Yeah, but they're in the East, bro. Like, you got Pistons four times a year. You're playing. Atlanta Hawks are in the, in the, the, same. In the, in the East. They're young. They're young. Steve Clifford is that dude too, by the way. Shout out Steve Clifford. Yeah, Steve no, Clifford no, no doubt. Heck of a job. Steve Clifford. Steve it, Clifford. All right, but let me let Steve me ask Cl- this. Yeah. As we we kind of we, we're like we're all over the place, but we're still talking New York and Fizz. Right. His job, fair to say, right, would be to develop R.J. Barrett, right? Yes. And Mitchell so, Robinson. And Mitchell Robinson, who played very up and down. It, 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 as he should, he's all over the place. He's still got a lot to learn. So. RJ's averaging 13 and 9, pretty much 14 a game and 3 assists mm-hmm. and 5 rebounds a game. Is he beyond pace? 
should is is this fit? Should he be a twenty point scorer? And you're getting blown out by thirty. No, no. Is Fizdale not put so? You know, one of his main jobs, pretty much, is develop RJ and the other kid. Yes, but you were also like I didn't expect that the Knicks were going to win a lot of games. I thought that they were going to be tough to beat, and they actually—I don't know how many games. I would say more than half of their games, they've led in the fourth quarter. Now that's not, and then and then lost by like double digits. That's not just having a not having a closer. That's mm-hmm. having not knowing how to. That's not knowing what to go to, what lineup, what closing lineup to utilize, where to try to attack the opposing team to stay in the game, and that to me is coaching. That's where the coach. That's where. Maybe I have R.J. Barrett out there. Maybe I don't. Maybe I have Alfred Payton out there. Maybe it's Marcus Morris and Randall. Like maybe it's Robinson. Like I. That's where, you know. And 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 I'm I'm not saying by any stretch it's easy. I think it's one of the most it's one of the most challenging things to do, is to figure out on a nightly basis, in the moment, where do I go to? What gives me my best chance? What do I run? Mm. And and it's and it's difficult. I mean, it it takes. I think Steve Clifford's one of those coaches that's very good at it. Like he figures out this is what it this is what I've got. Um, I think Jim. Well, Boylan, there's also there's Jim, no cuts defensively with with Clifford either. Right, right, right. Well, right. Um, but but he's and he's also he's kind of established. Like his DJ Augustine's his his go to. Like you can develop. more. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Markel, Markel Fultz, but DJ Augustin is, is, is his rip, car, rip, rip cord. Like, things get into trouble or I need to close a game. I can put the ball in DJ's hands. DJ's not necessarily going to get me the bucket, but he's going to get the ball to the guy that, that I want he to have right to play. get the bucket. He's going to make the right play. Like, so, I, I, I'm not... And, and here's the other part. Like, I would dare say, one... I believe Fizz is relieved to be out of that situation because you talked about coaches get panicked. He looked out of sorts. I don't want to say panicked. That's a really that's a tough word. But he he looked like he was searching for answers in the games, at the podium afterward, uh, on the sideline. Like whenever I saw him, he looked stressed. He just he's you know he's got four years, twenty two million. Would I be wrong to say that R.J. Barrett's not a point guard? He's I, I, not for and, this. Not and for there this team is a right lot. Now. There was a lot thrown on his. Yeah. You know shoulders. Yeah. And expectations, and even let's say with that team, let's say he was just Lonzo Ball and and passing and pushing tempo and distributing. 
might be a little more than what they have now because at least you know Alonso's going to make the right play. Yeah. You know, and he's got his deals that he has to worry with. But you know, to me, RJ's just a player. Right. RJ's a good utility guy. He's going to develop into a solid basketball player. But I wouldn't RJ. I wouldn't want him necessarily being my starter point guard. I think you know Boris Diaw. Boris Diaw was drafted to Atlanta as a point guard. It just didn't work out. Right. And he got a bad name. But when Boris Diaw was your power forward, playing point forward, that yeah. was dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. You got to if you can put a guy in a situation where he can take advantage of his. He has an advantage over the guy who's guarding him because of his unorthodox. Like, protect him from what makes him vulnerable at that position and allow him to play off of his strength. Like, Boris, if Boris has to do a steady job of working on the block, eh, he's probably going to get eat up at one end and he's not really not going to give you a whole lot at the other end. If you allow him to play high and be a passer and then find ways to protect him at the defensive end, well, now now you got, now you got a chance. True, true. You know? If you got a shot blocker behind him, now he can kind of, you know, he, he can three-quarter it or he can, he, can, he can gamble a little bit and use his hands rather than he's just got to bow up and, 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 and hold a guy. So, um, but, but I'll say this to point out, at those two positions that you draft, Mitchell Robinson, who's you know he's he's shown some life, and RJ, those aren't winning players right now. No, no. And, and Mitchell Robinson is your five man. You're going to give up you know forty dunks a game and and ten you know seventy points in the paint, eighty ninety points in the paint because he goes and he goes after every shot, but he'll get in foul trouble. Yep. He, he has poor positioning sometimes. Just things that young players do. Julius Randle, the questions with him, he's not a five. Okay, he's not a shot blocker. That's not what he does. And he's at that hybrid where his best position is five on offense. Right. And as a four, you know, either you got to post him, but he's not necessarily quite a spacer yet. Improved, yes. But t- to me, I don't see a winning roster. And it, and it starts with guard play. So, But here's where – so this is where – as a coach, you manipulate the game based on what are your strengths. And yeah, with Mitchell Robinson, Mitchell Robinson gives you rim protection, but it's... Uh, if I want to win, I, I bench him for Taj Gibson. Yes. And he comes yes, off the bench. Yes. Right? But so, so how... But, but then who are you pairing with Taj Gibson in order to exploit... The opposition, because Taj isn't going to be stepping out to the to the three point line. So I got to have another big. I got to have Marcus Morris out there. I can't I can't play Julius Randle and Taj okay. Gibson together. Let me give you Let me give you this. Just how you you mentioned a perfect person, DJ Augustine. Yep. DJ Augustine on that team would have New York. I don't want to say in the playoffs. No. But they'd be competitive every night because DJ would make the right play. Yep. That's why there's a premium, Rick, and I know you've even always talked about this. When you draft, what's the premium on? It's not the guys in the middle. It's point guards and it's big men. Yep. I can't teach height and I can't teach you the point guard position. It's one of two things. Either you got it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And they don't even have just enough at those positions. So 
a guy like DJ Augustine, not that we're going to say he pushes you over the top, but he gives you an opportunity to win games out of those other guys aren't. R.J. Barrett, you're not an improved shooter yet. I'm still going under the screens. You know, you you don't you don't have enough. It's easy to guard, and you're playing in a push to pace, pick and roll type of offense. You know, where your best scorer is Julius Randle. So at the end of the game, you're 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 running things to your power forward, trying to get a shot, and it don't look right. Right, right. No, it's it's and it's funny. Like we look at DJ Augustine, and you know we're we're talking about him like like he's an all star, but a guy like an, a a a point guard on mediocre teams or subpar teams that can just get you into what you want to do. DJ Augustine Augustine is a thirty two, is five foot eleven, thirty two year old point guard, and yet it's like JJ Barea. Like JJ Barea comes on the comes on the floor and you think, oh, well, we're gonna exploit him. Next thing you know, one he's getting to the cup. Jalen Brunson, another one. Like people fall in love with the 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 metrics and the dimensions, and when it comes to my point guard, I just need somebody who can organize me, get us into what we need to do, and get the ball in the right place. And as if you're gonna be undersized, then you got to be able to shoot the three. Like, I think Alfred Payton could do a lot of the things that New York needs, except he can't space the floor. And they just don't have enough floor spacers elsewhere for them to survive without a shooting point guard. That's why so, you end up playing so, R.J. Barrett as much as so, you do. So now, now to come on home to my same point, if you have somebody else that you know lined up for Fizz, yes. do what you got to do. I don't mind the firing. But if yeah. you thought this was performance-based... I don't know what he was going to make out of that roster. I'll be honest. It's it, it it's the roster the roster was largely built to protect their cap space and to give them movable contracts of veteran players that playoff teams Agreed. look at come in February and say, "Oh, um, you know what? We could use a Taj Gibson. We could use a defensive guy like that." off the bench um even julius oh, randall and his contract you know there's somebody out there who might say ah you know what that what in the, in the right situation um wayne ellington we need a shooter on the perimeter mm-hmm. i mean even marcus would, would marcus, you, uh, marcus morris bobby portis i mean if if you're new york and i know this i'm sure this was thrown out would you take bradley bill if you have to take wall too Yes, I would. Yes, I why? Would. You well, let me let me say, uh, John's injury doesn't scare you. Oh, John's you, John's the, injury, John's injury scares me. Uh, you know what? Let me think about that a little bit because because now I'm stuck on. I can't necessarily get another guy. I got to rehab John. I got to figure things out. Yeah, but here's the difference. Here's the distinction. Is you have six first-round picks in the next four years, the Knicks do. So the possibility that you're going to get another guy through the draft is sitting right there for you. Yeah, you're going to get a guy. They're going to get a baller. They're yeah. going to get a guy. It, yeah. it, it, it would be catastrophic if they don't end up with a, like a serviceable player. Right, right. <laughs> this would right. be crazy. Right, so... But, and, and, and this is... And I, and I ask this because... 
now I'm projecting that I'm going to I'm going to swing and miss in free agency. So I, I have to take a chance at getting Bradley Bill. Right. And this, you know, honestly, I mean, I'm looking at see, this is what is what's intriguing right now about New York. And, and things may have changed because the chemistry right now between LeBron and A.D., and what AD's able to do playing next to LeBron. I know that AD's dad has always had an eye on New York and has always had the idea that mm. he wants his son to have his own team and in a big market. Like that's mm. dad's that's dad's vision is from everything that I've been told. I wonder if everything that he's experiencing with LeBron is changing that or whether he does a lot, whether AD does Alonzo ball and says, dad, I know what you want, but I know what I want. And I'm doing this. The question I have is like, I'm not sure who AD is without LeBron James. I see what he is now and he's a monster. And I've been told that this is the first time that he's really been coached. Like that's also what you're seeing. You're seeing a guy who yep. was just doing it on talent before. Now they're giving him an idea. What I don't know is if I'm New York and I have the AD says I'm coming. Um, I mean, I don't know how you say no, but do I need to get another guy? Do I need do I then need to make a Bradley yeah, Beal play because I don't want AD carrying that weight. And this is the this is the the other factor that I think impacted Fizz ne- negatively is you got to have a certain personality and a certain toughness to deal with New York. Like yeah. I, it 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 just you're just being con- the the microscope, the expectations the ridiculous media having like zero patience along with their fans. Like you got to be able to like stare all that down and deal, you know, and do it with an owner who is a barroom brawler. Like he, like yeah. it, 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 so it's not for everybody. And I just look at Fizz and I, I, I like Fizz. I think he's a good coach. I hope he gets another shot. I hope it's more suited for his what 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 his skill set is. But I look at New York and I look at what's happened with that team and I think it's as much cuz New York was a little too much for him and the the demands of that team were a little too much for his resume. I think I I don't I don't think like anybody who's saying, "Oh, it was a roster. This was totally unfair." Etc. Etc. I mean, ultimately, they hired they hired Fizz, so they thought he could get the job done. There is a culpability on their part, but I also feel as if this is not like Fizz, you know, given a different roster. I'm not. I, I feel as if the roster underperforming. I got. I have to put some of that on his plate. Yeah, you know, I don't think he ducks that at all. I think you know your job. Um in a team that's under, I guess you'd say undermanned somewhat. Yeah. It was kind of like, well, Fizz, take these good players and get them to the playoffs. No, no, but that wasn't, they weren't talking playoffs. 
They were just talking. In fact, they're not even talking like win-loss record. They're just talking be in every game. Be competitive. Be a, be a team that n- nobody wants to play because it's going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, we might be better than you, but and we're going to have to work. We're going to have to work to beat you. A, a little bit. I just think uh, it, it. I just think it's a bad fit. And I'll say this, Rick. Yeah. Let's say for some random reason, you know, half those guys are on four or five year deals, right? Even two year deals. When you bring in a roster, and every guy on the roster is on a one and one with the team option, yeah. What the heck? You are setting yourself up for thirty point losses. <laughs> you are setting fizz up because everybody, everybody is thinking about themselves. Yeah. Rick, you've been in a workplace. I'm, I'm on a one day contract. I'm on a, a a day's deal or whatever it may be. And now I got to show out. I got to show out. Everybody's not full time. Those aren't those weren't full time Knicks over there. So they're they're trying to get buckets. <laughs> they're trying to get buckets. They're trying to do what they do. I'll give you that. At the same time, R.J. Barrett, uh, Taj Gibson, Kevin Knox, Marcus Morris, Peyton, Bobby Portis, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, I didn't give you the whole roster. You're oh, telling me, me you're telling good. me I can't get more than four wins out of that group. Not when you throw them together like that. Not you couldn't even give them a guaranteed two years. You got everybody on a one year deal. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. Well, like that's Julius. Rick, is Rick, not, hold on, Rick. Julius not is not okay. Mitchell, you know this is honestly Robinson has been disappointing to me. Because he is viewed as a cornerstone for this franchise. And he does, like, I understand foul trouble. Wendell Carter Jr. gets into foul trouble for the Bulls. But you know the one thing that Wendell Carter Jr. does every game? He plays hard. Yeah. He hits the boards. That dude, that dude's going to, I look at him, he's going to play 10, 12 years. Mitchell Robinson? Mitchell Robinson is messing around. Mitchell Robinson is does not look like someone who's trying to get better every game and is trying to say, I'm here to stay and I want to be a centerpiece on a team. He's got a little Willie Cauley-Stein in him. Well, he also is in a situation where he doesn't have to work as hard for those minutes because he's, he's, he's got them. There's no competition. There's no other guy on the roster that does what he does. So he knows that he has to play, and and Fizz in a situation where the, the kids got to play. There's nobody else there. He's only playing. It's just, it's just ugly. Trust me, Rick. It is ugly. He's only playing twenty twenty one minutes a game. But he got to play that. He yeah, has when, to. Okay, so he if I'm to. Mitchell, if I'm Mitchell and I'm playing twenty twenty one, aren't I trying to play thirty? The one I want to be playing thirty thirty five. I mean, I guarantee, and I guarantee you, outside of the foul trouble. He could he could earn he could work himself into into that into that position. I agree. I'll just say for a young player, I don't believe that maturity is going to be there at this time in, in your career. It's very easily all he's thinking about is dunking and blocking shots, <laughs> which he he gets. <laughs> it happens, but the way it happens isn't necessarily wins. Yeah. 
It, uh, it, it will be interesting. I, here's the thing for me when it comes to the Knicks overall, and we'll, we'll leave it at this, because uh, we just spent 40 minutes. We kind of went around the league, but this was really a Knicks-centric. Knicks around the league. <laughs> Knicks-centric podcast for sure, <laughs> is they still have their cap space. Like, you're right. Having all those guys on one-year deals doesn't necessarily foster – uh, you know, foster guys that are that are playing for uh, playing for the franchise as much as themselves. That said, you got a bunch of thirty somethings. You would hope that like Taj Gibson and Marcus Morris and and Julius Randle that uh, that these are vets that they you know that they bring a certain amount of pride to to the job. Uh, but here's the reality: they are on one year deals, which means you haven't. You know, you haven't tied yourself into it. They, they don't have a single bad contract on their roster. Not a single one. They have six first-round picks in the next four years. And who's who knows? Maybe they can pick up they me, can pick up another one moving one of these vets at the trade deadline. Let me so, give you this, Rick. That's quick. what this year was all about. Was just, is, let's... You know what, you know what this to me is? Hmm. You mess with the integrity of the game. This is almost on par, and I'm not going to say it's no, disgusting. No, it's not the but same as might... Philly. I, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. But it's but not it is... as bad. And I don't say that. I don't think. Look, I agree. They didn't come into the year saying we're tanking. Right. But you came in such business like yeah. that. There's no way they're going to win. You don't even feel good about going to New York like, uh, what am I going to do next? You, everybody went in there thinking about what they got to do next year. A full roster of t- – and, and New York just listened to the media and everybody. And these dudes, there's no commitment. Yeah. You know you know what, what makes me feel as if for whatever reason they were able to sell a different story? Is Marcus Morris backed out of a deal with San Antonio to come to New York. It's New York, baby. That's what I mean. It's New York, baby. That's what I mean. And they still didn't commit. And they still didn't commit. We're doing one-on-ones all over the place. That's that's bad. That's a bad workplace, bro. That's a ba- Dudes are probably scrapping in practice. Like, who knows what that – when you don't know what teams tomorrow's going to – it's not fun. Anymore, man. Because it's, your mind can't be in the game. Yeah. There's two guys with, what, three guys. Mitchell, RJ, and Julius that are like, oh, we good, man. Like, like the, the rest of the dudes probably living in the hotel still, man. Like, it ain't cool. Yeah, you might be, you might be, you might be right about that. Oh, it, it's hard, right bro. I've been there before. It's hard. When I went Damn. to Cleveland and I was like, yo, trade me. Why haven't y'all traded me yet? I should have been traded in the, in the summer. And I had to report. Oh. By the way, so we're, we're recording this. After they lost at home in Mike Miller's first, the first game without David Fisdale, they lost when Julius Randle couldn't hit two free throws to send it to overtime. They lost 104-103 to Indiana. And then uh, they're on the road and they went up to Portland and they got beat 115-87. Ouch. Ouch. But hey, cap space, draft picks. Yeah, and what do you expect? That's why I I, I want to know why the firing is, and I'll I'll have a true judgment oh, I'll tell on you. whether it was good or bad. Yeah, well, it wasn't because they're going to bring somebody in now. Well, I hope maybe you know. So the courting, the, I will say the courting process starts. You know, 
You know who whose money I would I I'd put the money on? Who? Mark Jackson. Really? I hope Mark. Mark is a, is a Knickerbocker. He's a New York guy. That's exactly it. And he's the best at building. And the players are behind Mark. He is really good. Now, me, if it's a question of basketball, ain't no question. If you if you just need to win, we don't care how we look. You don't care about reporting to the owner. Like, Mark can get you there. If that's what you want, you want to win, you can win with Mark Jackson. Let, let, me, let me throw another name at you. See what your reaction is. Rick Pitino. I, you know, Rick is a legend. Um, he's exciting. I, I have to see what that transition looks like. Heck, I got to see him as an assistant, you know, before I see him as a, a head coach in the NBA. Not to say that he hasn't grown as a coach. Uh, but I'm intrigued. In New York, you know, Patino's got a little bit of baggage. I don't know if that goes away or that just, I believe, it multiplies in New York. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's an, I mean... That's a name that would, that would I think that would be respected in New York. I would like to see Patino as an assistant first, and then he. Could the you put him with year. Mark Jackson? Could he be an assistant with Mark? I'm not so sure. About he may that. he may not have a choice if if that's what you know Dolan wants, and then it's kind of a setup job. <laughs> yeah, right. And and hmm, yeah, that'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. All right, that does it for this episode of Buker Hollins and. The New York Knicks. Uh, if uh, if you, however you feel about the show, uh, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like us to do something for you, screenshot that review and send it to at Buker Friends, and you'll be eligible to win uh, an autographed copy of either Derek Rose's uh, "I'll Show You" uh, biography with Sam Smith, the legendary Sam Smith, or Yao Ming's "Life in Two Worlds." with me uh and we will make sure that uh whatever copy you choose will be autographed again screenshot your review and send it to at Buker friends in the next podcast i'll catch up with uh our man will blackman and we will get into some of what we talked about here jason garrett and where the dallas cowboys go from here and do they have a fatal flaw in uh, their structure that goes beyond jason garrett that guarantees that they are never going to get back to the promised land. We'll discuss all of that in the next podcast. In the meantime, for Ryan and myself, as always, thanks for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.